Welcome to Money Moves, a podcast brought to you by the Globe and Mail's content studio and RBC. I'm Melissa Leong, and today's episode is all about the balance of money and kids. When it comes to spending on myself, I will do anything I can to save a dollar. I will buy the cheap, scratchy toilet paper. I will begrudgingly eat the loaf ends, or what my son calls bum bread. But because I love two little humans infinitely, their happiness has no price tag. They are our biggest expense. Childcare, sports programs, birthday parties, vacations. I mean, yeah, before COVID, obviously, but they're only little, so I know we're going to ramp up on all of these costs again with them soon. Plus, we make regular RESP contributions. Children are expensive, and... I'm fine with that when it comes to education savings, but do we need matching baby and brother and mother and father pajama sets? Yeah, we do. (laughs) Just kidding. We're dorks. I genuinely would appreciate a chat with someone who could help balance their needs and wants versus my needs and wants, and then their future needs and wants versus my future needs and wants. Yeah, parents have to juggle many different needs and wants in their heads at the same time. So I figure, if I'm going to talk about needs versus wants, why don't I start with a little person who is my everything? I decided to invite my five-year-old onto the mic. That's next. This podcast is brought to you by RBC. Be prepared for your future with a free personalized plan. My money, my future, my personalized plan. My advisor, only from RBC. Okay, so you want to know how this whole teaching my five-year-old how to handle money thing is going? I invited him to get on the mic with me. Okay, I'm going to turn it right here so he could hear you. Okay. I didn't prep him, but I did interrupt his snack time. He's munching an apple for the whole conversation. What are you doing? Okay, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions and we're going to talk about this, okay? So... Mummy works for money, mm-hmm. and when I make money, what would you like me to buy you? Mosasaurus. What's that? So this is like a dinosaur toy? No, it's a teddy. Oh, and, and, it's, and it lives in a tank, and this big machine feeds it. Okay. <laughs> Do you need this stuffed animal? Yeah. You need it? Yes. Okay. How much is this Mosasaurus? $100. It's $100? These teddies make $100. They make $100? How? We get so much money. <laughs> but what about things that you need? Like, you know, what's something you need? Teddies! Okay, besides teddies. Food. Food! <laughs> yes! What about, what about the house? You need somewhere uh-huh. to live. Uh-huh. So how do I have money for food and for Mosasauruses? And the house. And the house. That's a lot. Wow. What should we do? Buy my most, all my teddies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so we're working on it. He's five. I think we have a bit of time to work out his personal finance knowledge. But what about me? What about us? the grown-ups in his life. We aren't perfect, and our money situation wasn't airtight by the time he arrived. We're constantly figuring it out. 
But at the end of the day, the grown-ups need to manage the money and teach them how to do it while we're socking money away for their futures. Not to mention covering all of our family costs, which get expensive. Listen, I know what you're saying right now. Melissa, I don't even have kids yet. Or maybe you're saying that you do have kids. And it's incredibly expensive. And you need to figure out a way to get onto a slightly better path. You want to save more. Put more away for your own retirement or big-ticket purchases. Maybe buy your kid a mousesaurus while saving for their post-secondary education, too. If you're a parent, maybe you already know that the best way to figure things out is to talk with your super smart friends who have already been there. I'm balancing our family's financial needs as a parent of young kids, and so is Bridget Casey, the founder of Money After Graduation. We're going to hear from Bridget next. When life changes, have a plan that meets your needs. Experience the power of real-time control at your fingertips with my advisor. My money, my personalized plan, my way. My advisor, only from RBC. Bridget Casey is the founder of Money After Graduation, which is all about personal finance for millennials. In this conversation, we're going to hear Bridget's personal and professional money tips, like how do you impart money lessons to a three-year-old? Bridget, thank you for uh, joining me today. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to be chatting with you about our kids. (laughs) (laughs) The thing we talk about all the time anyway. (laughs) Yes. And then my friends are like, okay, ease up, Melissa. Let's let's change the subject. I'm like, I have no life, guys. I have no life other than my kids. So this is what we're going to be talking about. But before I had kids, I thought, I'm not going to be one of those parents who's just constantly talking about my kids, taking pictures of my kids, doing absolutely nothing. And then, yeah, yeah, I became that person. Um, We all become that person (laughs) because parenthood is so all-encompassing. You, like, you don't do much else, so you don't have much else to talk about. Yeah, so I feel the same way about money and kids. Like, I had all these thoughts about what I thought it was going to be like before, and then after I had kids, I was like, ah, younger Melissa, pre-kids Melissa, you're so cute. And so I wanted to ask you, um... How did you prepare for having a kid? Um, Well, as you, I think you know already that my pregnancy was unplanned. So it was a surprise. So I didn't even get the chance to prepare until I was already pregnant. (laughs) And by then I had a short timeline. I mean, only like seven or eight months that I knew before my baby would actually come. I had to prepare for two ways because I was self-employed. I didn't have a maternity leave that would be paid for by uh, the government. So I actually had to save an amount of money for the number of months I planned to take off, which I only planned to take three months off. First, because that was all I could afford, but also because when you're self-employed, you can't really leave your business for longer than that and ensure that it survives. So I had to save up for my maternity leave while also uh, planning my expenses for when my baby arrived. And also I was shocked by how much pregnancy costs because I think we talk so much about how expensive kids are that I didn't realize how much I would actually spend, especially in the last three months of pregnancy when I was seeing like a prenatal chiropractor because my back was like destroyed and I needed to buy new maternity clothes because I kept getting bigger and bigger and like bigger than I thought I could get. And I would have to keep sizing up. So yeah, I... I prepared just by like saving the whole way through and I did my best planning and assuming what 
expenses I would have and I still missed a ton and got hit by the financial <laughs> impacts like every parent does. <laughs> I thought I was well prepared. Like I, I emailed so I. <laughs> all of my friends who had kids and asked them for their budgets. I made a list of all the things I was going to buy. And I thought, okay, well, I'm going to go on mat leave, but I don't know if I'm going to come back. So I shouldn't spend my maternity leave top up for my employer. Like I went in and I talked to them and made sure I knew how much I was going to be making. And I still was um, surprised. And so what were you surprised by? Uh, in terms of expenses? Um, when my baby actually arrived, I found that I had planned very well for the monthly expenses. Like I was not surprised by the cost of diapers. I had done a lot of research into the cost of childcare. I knew how much it would cost. Um, what I wasn't prepared for is how much my income would be impacted by having a kid because I think a lot of parents, we just think about the money going out and not how much it will affect the money going in because now suddenly at the beginning and end of every work day, I have daycare drop off and pick up. I have sick days where my child is sick, so I can't work. And I didn't see any of that coming. I thought I just had to like buy diapers and pay daycare and it would be like pretty expensive for a few years and then everything would be fine. But I'm like, oh, my work day is shorter. I have to take unexpected time off. And that that really surprised me about affording parenthood. So going, if we had a time machine, you can go back and tell yourself a little bit of advice just before your daughter was born. What would it be? I'd say you can only work six hours a day, four days a week. So build your schedule around that. And like, I can't believe the volume of clothes. Like I just gave all my babies stuff away. And some of the things still had tags on it. And it made me feel so sad. And I know everyone's always like, buy secondhand, buy secondhand. But you like you don't, I don't know why. <laughs> then uh, you also get so much as gifts. And I really like I really wish I hadn't spent so much on my baby's toys and clothes because I literally just gave a bunch away and they still have the brand new tags on. So that was very dumb of me. I think every parent has that story where they say, I'm going to try to be uh, frugal and responsible when it comes to spending and buying things. And then it's like a toy and clothing warehouse in my basement. How did this happen? Yeah. And the other thing actually is with a lot of those baby accessories that you think that you need and then you find you don't need. And also as a new parent, like you're so desperate for sleep or if you have a fussy baby, like you will buy anything to make them stop crying. And we're getting like $150 baby swings. And then I'm like, yes, I need this because then she'll sleep and then I can get a break. And my baby hated the swing. Like I had to give away a brand new like swing because she hated it. So I mean, just be cognizant of how many purchases you're making because you're like sleep deprived and desperate. And also try not to buy too many things in advance. Like don't buy the baby swing before your baby is born because you might end up with a baby that hates it like mine does. And then you just have a really expensive accessory that you either have to resell or give away for nothing. I hear you. I have a lot of equipment. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a lot of it bought in desperation in for desperation. solace yeah. or I thought, well, this will make you happy and I would spend any amount of money to make you happy. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but I also am cognizant of the fact that there are some things that I think long term 
maybe are more important that we should be putting our money to to make our kids happy. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the long-term planning that you've been trying to do? Are you hinting at RESPs? I might. <laughs> it might be. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things that was most important to me. Like, that was one of the reasons I, like, got my child's birth certificate and social insurance number as soon as I could, is so I could open her RESP. Uh, because I graduated from university with a ton of student loan debt, and that's not something that I want for my child. So that was something I put in place right away to save the maximum amount uh, each year to get the grant in her RESP and ensure financial security there. And that's been really important for me, just planning her future in that respect. And yeah, I mean, I think that's as far ahead as I think for the future. Most of early parenthood is just trying to survive <laughs> to the next week or month. So uh, that's still where I where I am as well. I'm still like counting down until the daycare bill is done. That that happens at some point, right? <laughs> yes, I, I think so. But then I feel like it's replaced by other things. I mean, my oldest is five, but he's already starting hockey. Well, pre-pandemic, he was starting hockey and swimming and all these yeah. other things. And there was camp. And I thought, yeah, other expenses go away and then new expenses crop up. And so, you know, we're trying to survive it, you know, day to day. I totally relate to that. And part of that is I'm also trying to pay for my priorities as well. Exactly. Like, you know, let alone trying to deal with my kids, trying to deal with my kids' future. I also need to save for my own retirement. And so how do you balance everything that you've got going on when it comes to your savings? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, actually, because that's one thing I do really uh, caution new parents about is don't sacrifice your own financial security uh, for your child's. Because even when it comes to saving things like their RESP, they can still take out student loans to go to university. You won't be able to take out retirement loans to be retired. So your TFSA and RSP still has to take priority over your child's extra expenses. Like you still have to feed and clothe your child and meet their basic needs. But when it comes to buying them the latest toy or participating in a popular extracurricular activity or even saving in their RESP, those things have to come second to your own uh, retirement savings. And I think a lot of parents struggle with that because we want to give our kids the best. We don't feel like we're a good mom or dad if we're not putting their needs before ours. But what happens if you're not taking care of yourself is you're just setting up a situation where your child will need to take care of you later. So taking care of yourself financially is actually the best way that you can take care of your child. So if you're making those difficult decisions, if there's a really limited amount of money in your budget and trying to decide where to put it, put a little bit in the RESP, 50 or $100 a month, and then the rest to your own and your family financial security, because that will ensure it for the long run for your whole household and your family. I know she's three, but are you doing anything now to try to impart some money wisdom or money lessons on her? We've just started. So I feel like now at three, she like she understands that money is a thing we give people when we buy coffee or groceries. Uh, but up until now, she didn't really make the connection of where it comes from. So now I explained to her that like mommy works and that gives us money so we can buy things because some days I take her to daycare and she's like, I don't want to go to daycare. I want to spend the day with you. I'm like, well, you have to go to daycare so I can work to get money to buy things and we need food. So I'm going to go to work and she takes that as good. And now we're also um, working on like understanding 
a budget in a very overhead sense for a three-year-old. But when we go to a store, like first I almost never let her buy anything at all. I say no, no to everything. I'm the meanest mom. But often when I do say she can have a treat or a toy, I'll explain that one is too expensive. We can't afford that one. So we have to get this one. So she does, she's starting to get the concept that some things are like out of reach and that's because they cost more money and then some things are within what we can afford and that's what we can purchase i mean it's hard because she can only count to about 17 so there's not a a lot of room that's pretty good yeah yeah well she does like she knows the numbers i don't know if she like grasps what (laughs) what they are but that really limits like how much i can teach her but she does understand that we use money to make purchases. Sometimes we don't have enough money for all the things that we want. So we have to only buy what we can afford. So that's, that's the lessons we're working on now with my three-year-old. That's great. Making money lessons. I mean, you're not trying to teach your kid, you know, compound interest at a young age. You're basically just telling them what you are doing with your life. I mean, I learned a lot about money just watching my parents. What were some of the early money lessons you learned from your parents? Oh, that's, yeah, that's hard because I, I grew up in a household, like we were very lower middle class, like we actually straddled the poverty line so, for most of my youth. So actually money is, was a very stressful thing. When I was young, I actually, most of my money memories were just simply not having enough of it. Like I remember my parents debit cards being declined at like the grocery store and things like that. So the, that's always the thing I'm like trying to avoid with um, with my young child now. So so that's, yeah, my early money memories aren't actually that good. <laughs> We're not going to go into too deep into psychological uh, aspects of our money lives. But sometimes I think, you know, seeing my parents do certain things, even if it involves struggle, has taught me so many lessons about money now and yeah that's true like in the sense I try to avoid it yeah yeah what you don't want in your life and so as your child gets older what kinds of important money lessons do you want to make sure that she grows up understanding well she's going to get an allowance for sure at some point so she'll have her own money to manage and I've read actually a lot of personal finance blogs from other parents that have older children and I think the lessons that they teach are really interesting like I read this one a few years ago so I can't even remember who wrote it but they were talking about their child really wanted to buy this toy with their allowance and birthday money but the parents like knew that he would probably get bored with it a few days or weeks after and he would have spent like it was like an obscene sum for an eight-year-old I think like eighty dollars and they're like he's gonna spend all his money on this and then he won't like it so we're trying to talk him out of doing it that sounds like my conversations with my husband (laughs) and but what I liked about it is they ultimately decided to let him make this money mistake when he was so young and I thought that that was really good because again I think as parents we're always trying to prevent our children from experiencing any kind of struggle and I've seen this with like my peers and older millennials where like their parents would just gift the money and it's like oh you accidentally rang up five thousand dollars on your credit card here's five thousand dollars like they would just bail them out over and over and over and so these parents were taking an opposite approach where their child was like very young and they let him make which was the biggest money mistake you can make at eight years old right it's like blow a year or more's worth of savings on a toy that you didn't like and exactly what they predicted happened he bought this toy all his money was gone he enjoyed it for about two weeks 
And then he didn't want to play with it anymore. And he didn't have money for anything else. He couldn't buy candy, couldn't buy any other toys. He couldn't like go to whatever the water park with his friends. And he really had to understand like I did this to myself because I made a poor money decision. So I'm really going to take the stand that my daughter is allowed to do whatever she wants with her money and I'm going to let her make bad choices <laughs> with it and sometimes she'll make good choices and I think those are the lessons I want her to learn um, very young. I'm also going to really focus on teaching her how to save money like I want her to get in the habit of maybe I don't know when you're young setting aside 10 or 20 percent of whatever this allowance is I'll get her a little like kid checking account with her own debit card to tap she loves to tap to pay she thinks all money is just plastic cards that we just hit on the (laughs) (laughs) and it just it goes (laughs) there's no actual cash in her life and yeah so I'm, I'm gonna work on that but like same thing because her money will be in her control like maybe she will spend all her savings on a toy she doesn't want sometimes and I'm I'm gonna let it happen I'm just gonna watch and be like you did this to yourself (laughs) you did this (laughs) yeah no I think I mean personal finances you know is all about choices and letting them make choices I think is a really important part of just growing up and dealing with the consequences of it which is what we I mean, you know, that's adulting as well as making choices and dealing with the consequences. I'm also starting to teach my kid about debt. Yeah. Like when he doesn't have enough of something to buy something, I said, well, you could borrow it. You could borrow it from me. So you're doing bank of mom and dad? Is yeah, how- but I say it in an evil way. <laughs> <laughs> so I say, you could borrow it from me, but there may be consequences. And he's like, oh, no. <laughs> one, of, one of the things my parents did when I was young that I really liked is they would match whatever we saved so we could get more expensive items. So if I saved like $60 for something that I really wanted, they would match it with another $60 and get me something that was like 100 and. $20, which like worked really well until I like saved up enough for a car. And then they were less thrilled with. <laughs> yeah. But I do like that approach because it is hard when children are small, especially when they're not old enough to work. Like they they don't have a lot of options to generate income, which is also a good lesson. Like, how is it living in poverty? It's difficult, right? You have to make difficult choices. This is why we have to show these people compassion and put social programs in to lift them up, right? Like that's the lesson. But no, um, when they can't earn their own income, they are going to be frustrated by how limited their finances are. So I think you can extend some kindness as a parent to help. Uh, lift them up and boost what they can afford. I haven't figured out how I'm going to teach her about debt and how much I'll lend or what interest rates or things like that. But (laughs) I I do believe in um, matching their savings for big ticket items because there's just no other way to get to them. I love the idea of matching. It's like teaching them investing a little bit, right? And teaching them that I mean, when you work for a company who will match your your retirement contributions, like that's, it's a real world example. Oh, you know what? That's a good idea. That's how I can incentivize her to save. Just say whatever you put in savings and leave it there, I will match. Yeah. And then if you spend it, I, I take my match back. <laughs> <laughs> Tough love. Um, you're teaching good lessons on saving now while your child is very young. What is the goal? When she's a teenager, how do you hope she'll be saving? I mean, I I just hope that she's she'll be saving like for the things that she needs. I hope she has a good consistent savings habit because 
at the end of the day, that seems to be what matters the most is just that you set aside a consistent amount every month. I'm, I'm the kind of parent that just believes you should give your child as much personal responsibility as they can handle. So like really not managing everything for them. Like I know a lot of parents tie like allowance to chores, which it makes sense in some contexts where you say, oh, you have to work for money, but I really just want to give my child like a baseline of income that she has to manage herself and then maybe give her extra money for the work that she does and just get out of her way for managing her money and really trying to help her learn at every age that she goes up to. So right now, like I manage her RESP and I'm investing it in the stock market. I'm going to teach her how the stock market works before like she's even legally old enough to invest. Like maybe by the time (laughs) she's like nine or 10, I'm like, we're going to buy some ETFs today. Come sit down. See, like, this is what we're buying. This is for your college fund and things like that. You're the coolest mom. (laughs) But I'm a personal finance nerd too. So maybe my idea of cool is is not everyone else's idea of cool. (laughs) Yeah. And then I mean, like maybe when, when she's older, uh, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to buy some stocks today here. Like you're 13, let's give you a pretend $1,000. What do you want to buy in the stock market today? Let's see if it does well or does bad. Like, why did you make that choice and things like that? So yeah, I just think like, try to make your child independent with their money as early as you can, because that's what's Mm going to help them. Because otherwise, what you end up doing is just like parenting them into their 20s and 30s and bankrolling their lifestyle forever. Because if they don't have the tools to save money, budget, avoid debt, invest like safely, then you're going to have to do it for them. So this is just like lazy parenting. It's like, I only want to do this for a short amount of time. So I'm going to teach you all these skills so I don't have to do it later. (laughs) That's my approach. Amazing. Thank you so much, Bridget. That was really helpful. You're very welcome. Now, I know we spent a lot of time talking about younger children, and that's because I really think young kids need to be set up on the right path, but it's never too late. Older children who are about to head to university or who are starting their first jobs, they need financial guidance more than ever. And some of the same rules apply. Make sure you make money conversations the norm in the household. Talk to your older kids about budgeting, about borrowing, about trade-offs. Give them a chance to practice with money. Provide them with an allowance or a budget to shop for their own school supplies. Let them make mistakes and discuss their choices, preferably before they get into any trouble with a credit card. You can even teach investing at any age. I tell my kid that whatever he keeps in his piggy bank, I'll top up after a period of time. I also tell him that I'm always saving money for later, like for when he's a big, big, big kid and going to big school. It's always best to start early when it comes to RESPs for your kid, but it's never too late. Whenever you start, you'll still get that free money from the government. Guys, free money. So I think we've covered a lot of ground here, but here are my three takeaways from this episode. Number one. It can be hard to be fully prepared for the financial implications of parenthood, but do your best to save ahead of time and try to get an idea of how much you'll earn and how much you'll spend when baby arrives. Two, take care of your own finances first because your own financial health benefits the whole family. And finally, kids are never too young or too old to learn about money and they learn by example. 
So pay attention to how you earn, save, borrow, and spend. Building their independence and their ability to make their own money decisions is setting them up for success for life. Give them opportunities to practice and maybe fail before the real games begin. My kids are my greatest joy. If you also have kids or are just thinking about it, I want the money aspect of raising a family to be manageable, empowering even. We want to minimize the money stress. And there are ways to do that. And saving is key. It's also key to talk to your smartest friends on the matter. I want to give a big thanks to our guest today, Bridget Casey of Money After Graduation. You can check out her work at moneyaftergraduation.com. And thank you to my five-year-old, Jet, for letting mommy talk to him about money. I mean, I think he was into it. And thank you for listening. If it's working for you, let your people know. Send our podcast to a friend. And you can go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review our show. Money Moves is produced by the Globe Content Studio in partnership with RBC. Our show is produced by Hannah Sung with audio mix by Pippa Johnstone. Our executive producer is Kieran Rana. And remember, folks, the opinions expressed by people on the show belong to the individuals and are not the opinions or advice of RBC. And the information in this podcast is intended as general information only and should not be relied upon as providing legal, tax, financial, or other professional advice. I'm Melissa Leong. Thank you so much for listening to Money Moves. Money Moves.